the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with David Dawson and Damian Colado. Hey, guys. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Good morning. Hey. Yeah, let's hope it stays that way if if everybody's already so happy. I'm thrilled. Uh, Today is the feast day of St. Marianne Cope, who was born in 1838. In Germany, came to the United States at the age of one, eventually became a nun and joined the order of the Sisters of St. Francis. And then she and six of her sisters wound up going to Hawaii hmm. to take care of the lepers there. Eventually met Father wow. Damien and also tended to him in his final years of life. You'll learn all about that on Saint of the Day. I don't think we have to. We did, we, you just did it. We could skip the second <laughs> if you'd like. Well, we could. No, I'm but we are going to offer up a prayer <laughs> for her intercession in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Faithful to your teaching, dear Jesus, St. Marianne Cope loved and served her neighbor, especially the most desolate outcast, giving herself generously and heroically for those afflicted by leprosy. She alleviated their physical and spiritual suffering, thus helping them to accept their afflictions with patience. Her care and concern for others manifested the great love you have for us. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We have a wonderful lineup for you today, starting off at 10 after with some events in our listening area. You can find all of these events at our website calendar at ccmedia.live. Just click on events and news. In 18 minutes, we have Steve Ray, Catholic convert and pilgrimage leader. And today he's going to be diving a little bit deeper into the conversion of St. Paul, whose feast day is Thursday. Mm. So we'll learn a little bit more because we always learn more with Steve Ray. So looking forward to having him join us today. Yes. (laughs) In 35 minutes, we're taking it over to the Mississippi Gulf Coast with Father Braxton Nikes. He's the Director of Vocations of the Diocese of Biloxi. He'll be updating us on vocations on the coast. And in 48 minutes, Chris O'Neill, the one and only, (laughs) he's the Director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And he is going to be giving us some giving us some details on the upcoming Catholic Men's Conference in the Archdiocese over at St. Catherine of Siena in Metairie. Every pew is filled. Every seat is filled. It is incredible to see. So looking Mm -hmm. forward to talking to Chris about this wonderful event and getting an update from uh, the Archdiocese as well. So looking forward to today's guests. And Damien, looking forward to your weather report because it's going to get a little bit warmer. It definitely is. As we shared yesterday, uh, the temperatures are going to be in the upper 60s to 70s by throughout the week. Mm. Today, muggy, misty, 
and foggy in some areas. May see a shower off and on, but nothing major, about a 40% chance of rain. Windy, uh, it's going to be windy, though, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds out of the southeast, high 69, low 65, and not a, a lot of temperature fluctuation, as you can see from the highs and lows. Uh, tomorrow, greater chance of rain, how about 100%? Oh, okay. And could see some downpours, 1 to 2 inches, high 71, and again, still breezy, uh, Expect the showers to linger throughout the entire week, all the way through Saturday. Temperatures right now, just about everybody in the 60s, except for New Orleans, it's 57, Biloxi 59. Over in Covington, 61. And home of Thibodeau, as well as Baton Rouge, both reporting 60-degree temps. It's 5 after the hour on this Tuesday morning. Get up, get going, and wake up with us. Good Tuesday to you. I'm Father Chris Decker with today's Gospel, taken from Mark chapter 3. The mother of Jesus and his brothers arrived at the house. Standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. We've heard the gospel. Now we reflect. Who are the brothers of Jesus mentioned here and in other places in the New Testament? Are they, as some have claimed, Jesus' biological siblings? Those who make this false assertion stake their position on the Greek verb adelphos, which does identify a biological sibling. However, that literalistic interpretation leads to some absurd conclusion. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, St. Paul informs us that 500 brothers saw the risen Jesus at one time. Now, no serious biblical scholar claims that the apostle was referring to 500 biological brothers. Clearly, St. Paul was identifying Christian disciples who became brothers in Christ. Both in Hebrew and Aramaic, these languages lacked a word for cousins. In fact, the Old Testament used the term brother for a variety of relatives, including cousins and uncles, as well as close friends and allies. The New Testament simply follows the same practice. The ancient church understood this practice and unanimously held that Mary remained a virgin throughout her life. Furthermore, when specific brothers of the Lord are named, like James and Joseph, Other passages in the New Testament specifically identify them as the sons of someone other than the Blessed Virgin Mary. The sacred text is always very careful to specify that only Jesus is the child of Mary, no one else. This traditional understanding of the brothers of the Lord fits perfectly into the point of view of today's gospel. In a culture in which family and tribal ties were all important, Jesus was establishing a new family, the family of God whose members are intimately united to him in a bond of love far stronger than blood relationships. We enter this family just as Jesus did by doing God's will. Bottom line, did Mary have other children 
Biologically, no. Supernaturally, yes. If we are all here, spiritual children, as the book of Revelation states, then the dragon, Satan, was angry with the woman, Mary, and went off to make war on the rest of our offspring. Who is that? You and me and the whole church, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sayers. Ten after the hour on this Tuesday morning. Welcome back to Wake Up. And we uh, have some events we want to share with you. You know, this coming Lent, which is only a few weeks away, um, on Saturday, February 17th, the men of Immaculata invite all men to behold the Lamb of God. That's their theme for the 2024 session of the Men's Conference. It'll be held at St. George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge. Attendees will be inspired by the renowned Catholic speakers like Father Larry Richards, great books, great speaker. Also, Deacon uh, Michael Parker from the Baton Rouge area will be there. Bishop Michael Duca will celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and lead a Eucharistic procession. And Chef John Foles is going to be cooking up some good stuff. He'll be there with his Cajun cuisine for everyone. Tickets, only $75 for the entire day. And you can start your Lenten journey on February 17th at the Conference for Men of Immaculata. And if you want more info, go to ccmedia.live. All right. CYO Spring Retreat. Ooh, is that me? Yeah, okay. Uh, There's going to be a CYO (laughs) Spring Retreat. I thought I was reading Gabby's part. Uh, It's going to happen on March 24th, uh, 22nd through the 24th. There'll be a CYO Spring Retreat this, uh, the weekend of March 22nd through the 24th at Bogue Chitto. Open to all 8th and 12th grade students. Come join us for a weekend of rest, prayer, fun, competition, and community. And you'll meet the you'll meet at St. Catherine of Siena and Metairie that Friday at 5.30 p.m. And you're going to return Sunday by 10.30 a.m. Registration and more information, just go to ccmedia.live. Great. Thanks, Dave. Well, ladies, if you'd like to attend a tea social and be inspired at the same time, here is your chance. There will be a St. Joseph's Ladies Tea featuring guest speaker Jean Gatz on Saturday, February 24th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at St. Joseph's Hall next to St. Joseph's Cathedral in downtown Baton Rouge. You can host a table for six for $50 for this event. And the topic is, is titled Unwrapping God's Gifts in your life. So ccmedia.live is where you can go to find out more information. There's going to be an epic men's only virtue night coming up January 31st, which is next week at Cajun Controls in Baton Rouge. They're located on Opportunity Drive. The event starts at 630, hosted by Chuck Thomas. Bring your folding chair because seating is limited there. Uh, But there's going to be a night of fellowship, Free beer, free food, Dr. Jambalaya cooking things up. Oh, boy. And Deacon Ron Dirtz from New Orleans is going to be speaking on surviving today's world as a man with Christian values. Should be a good one. More info, yeah. go to ccmedia.live. I've been to some of these, and, yeah, they get real crowded. You've been to, yeah. I've seen oh, you yeah. at some. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they're wall-to-wall. So there's going to be a, a men's Emmaus retreat February uh, 2nd through the 4th. Put aside the hustle and bustle of daily life and attend the Men's Emmaus Retreat. And the retreat is held at the William Kelly Retreat Center in beautiful, peaceful Bay St. Louis. The scripture passage, Mm -hmm. the appearance on the road to Emmaus. Boy, that is a rich one, too. 
The retreat begins at 4 p.m. Friday and ends after the 5.30 p.m. Mass on Sunday. So it is a full weekend. Round-trip transportation is uh, provided from uh, St. Dominic Church in New Orleans. And um, just go to ccmedia.live and you'll find out more contact information from there. That's right. We'll save the date, get a babysitter lined up, and reserve a dinner spot for just you and your spouse at 7.30 p.m. at St. Catherine of Siena on March 2nd. Married couples are invited to a special date night to reconnect and have some dedicated quality time together. There will be a cocktail hour and appetizers. You can go to ccmedia.live for more information. Okay. Well, there you go. Those are some events. And as Gabby said, just go to our website and you get all the details. Look at the calendar. You can see an event all the way to two, three months out. Yeah. At the same time, we've got our saint of the day, St. Marianne Cope. You'll learn all about her next, as well as Steve Ray coming up here on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 23rd. Today we celebrate St. Marianne Cope. Leprosy was one of the most dreaded diseases in 19th century Hawaii. But when Mother Marianne of Molokai looked into the eyes of someone suffering from the disease, she saw only the suffering face of Jesus. Born in Germany in 1838, she was a teen when her family immigrated to the U.S. and settled in Utica, New York. She entered the Sisters of the Third Order of St. Francis in Syracuse, became a teacher, and served as provincial. In 1883, Mother Marianne and six other sisters answered the call of the Hawaiian government to help serve people suspected of having leprosy. In 1888, she and two sisters went to Molokai, where they opened a home for women and girls. She also took charge of the home that Father Damien de Wooster had established for men and boys. Mother Marianne was a devoted servant and educator of the men and women under her care. She was their mother in every way. Mother Marianne continued her work for 30 years. At her beatification, she was praised as a witness to the beauty of the life of a true Franciscan. Pope Benedict XVI canonized her in 2012. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. It is 19 past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. We're so glad to have you join us. Steve Ray is our first guest today. He's a Catholic convert and pilgrimage leader. And every time he joins us, we learn a little something new about our Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. Well, today's topic is going to be about the conversion of St. Paul. And the feast day takes place this Thursday. Steve, good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. Always good to join you. This is a unique feast day discussion because usually <laughs> feast days are around somebody's death or uh, some event like that. But this is, I think, the only time in the year where we celebrate mm. a conversion. So it's kind of yes. a very singular event, not only in the fact that it's the only conversion that we uh, celebrate, but also what happened to Saul of Tarsus was quite singular as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, most definitely. And Steve, what's interesting about this feast day, and really St. Paul, it's it's depicted in paintings, um, but why does this church have a feast day for someone's conversion? 
because he is so uh, significant to not only we think of him only as being a Christian and significant to the to the Christian world in the church, but in reality, he wrote half of the books of the New Testament, and he. Mm has had an impact on the Western world and Western civilization. Our world, the Western world especially, would look totally different if it hadn't been for St. Paul and the writings that he did and the thing. He's been studied more than anybody probably other than Jesus. So when you look at this guy, what happened to him and the impact that he had on the whole Roman Empire and then expanding into the whole Western world, this guy probably is the most significant um, historical figure, not only for the church, but for, for the whole world. That, that we've ever had. So him coming to becoming a Christian was very significant. And by the way, I like to say that at his conversion, nothing really happened. It wasn't a conversion. And people say, are you crazy? What are you talking about? But <clears throat> I converted. I was a pagan baptized, and now I'm a Christian. But the, Paul, was a, he was already a Jew, and then at the road to Damascus, it's not that anything changed so much as that he was ready to fight for the God of Israel and die for him. When he got up off the ground, he was still ready to fight for the God of Israel and die for him. He just got the memo that there's a new game plan now, that actually Jesus is the Messiah. I like so, that. Yes. so Saul of Tarsus, he becomes a fulfilled Jew. He doesn't convert to something. Yes. He's still Jewish. He just is now a fulfilled Jew. Nice. That's a different way wow. of thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, great. Yeah, I like yes. that. Well, and Steve, you lead so many pilgrimages. My, yep, I gave well, my conversion you, story once. Go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry, and a lady stood up and she, she said, hey, I'm a, I'm a convert, I'm Jewish, and I'm a convert. I said, no, you're not. She said, yes, I am, I converted the God. I said, you're not a convert, you are a fulfilled Jew. That's yes. what it is. You know, the word Christian, the word Christ, <laughs> is the Greek word for Messiah. So you have Messiah is Hebrew, Christ is Greek. So when you say that you are a Christian, you are saying you're a follower of the Jewish Messiah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, you, know, you know, Steve, this is, this is David. I remember talking to somebody who became Catholic from the Jewish faith, and she said you couldn't be a better Jew than to become Catholic. I thought that was so profound. <laughs> exactly. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yep, exactly. Well, now, I've been to Steve, these places. Uh -huh, go ahead. I've been to these places in Syria on the road to Damascus. I've been there twice and stood at the very place where, the, where Paul had his uh, vision of Jesus. And I looked down um, nine miles around the bend of the road, and you can see Damascus down in the, in the valley, beautiful city. And so, so, sorry, there's so much problems there now, but it's a beautiful city. And I remember standing there in the dusty road with my sandals on like Paul had, and I wept. I just cried. I thought, just think what happened mm -hmm. here. Lord, you, I looked up and there was a bright sun and I thought this, you know, God, uh, Jesus revealed himself right here and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my church? Uh -huh. He didn't yeah. say that. He didn't say, why do you persecute my people? Another interesting thing about this whole event on the road to Damascus is he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, he, but Saul couldn't persecute Jesus. He seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. What's Saul going to do? Reach up and pull him down and punch him in the nose? How, what, what is, how could he persecute Jesus? Right. Well, that's where we find out that we are a mystical body, and Jesus is the head, and we're the body. So when mm -hmm. we suffer, he suffers, because we're all one body. And when we were there filming, if anybody wants to see all these places, by the way, I have a, a movie I make. It's on my website, catholicconvert.com. It's called Paul Contending for the Faith. We filmed it in six countries, including Syria on the road here and in downtown Syria. 
Damascus. And when I was talking about Jesus saying, why do you persecute me when he's in heaven? My wife, Janet, in the movie comes up and she stomps on my foot and I yell, ouch. And I said, did you notice here that my foot is what hurt, but my head yelled, ouch. Mm. This is Mm. the church. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Interesting. Well, we talked a little before the interview started, Steve, that the conversion of St. Paul is depicted in so many paintings. I remember seeing it in one of my religion textbooks. Why is that? Why Why St. Paul's conversion that's so profound and inspirational to so many artists? Well, I, it because it was such a, a singular, and I, I use that word, um, it's, it's usually a British word, but it, it really applies here. It's such a unique event. And usually when you see those images, he's falling off a horse. And yeah. so the question comes, was he on a horse? Well, the Bible doesn't say he was on a horse. It just says he fell to the ground. Hmm. But this was a long journey. It was over 100 miles from Jerusalem up to Damascus. So when we take our groups, by the way, on our pilgrimages, we stop in the, up in the Golan Heights right at the Syrian border, and we look across, and I say to people, right over that hill, Damascus is only 20 minutes away. You know, we could just, if we could drive across the border, which you can't, but if you could, you could be in Damascus in 20 minutes. But it's for Saul of Tarsus and his men, who were military guards and soldiers, it would have been over 100 miles, and it can be very hot up there. It can be, you know, easy, 100 degrees. And so I, I'm convinced they rode horses. Rabbis rode donkeys or mules. Mm. Soldiers rode horses. And this was a military campaign. Oh, he, okay. It says he was mm. breathing threats of murder. He was going up there to really da- to damage these people. Mm-hmm. And they had left at Jerusalem because after Stephen was persecuted, but Saul was there giving his approval, they all fled. It says only the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So Paul and he decided he's going to go get them wherever they are. So he got papers from the courts with his soldiers. He was going up there to get them. But you know, what a surprise. He was expecting to come galloping into that city, and he was going <laughs> to arrest these guys and drag them back to Jerusalem. And instead, he gets knocked to the ground. He's blinded, and a little boy walks him by the hand, takes him by the hand, stumbling into the city to meet a man named Ananias. And Ananias says, you're going to have to see how much suffering you're going to do for the Lord. So this is a very unique situation, and um, I, I think I'm in good stead saying he was on a horse because all the great artists put him on a horse yeah and when i did the movie by the way i i rode a horse there and i fell off i had to fall off 10 times to get all the scenes correctly oh no oh man i also came down the wall of damascus i think i sent you a picture of that i I actually there's a section of the wall still it's called saint paul's (laughs) gate and I actually hired five guys and bought a big basket. And you I were in a basket. Story wall. Oh, no. I did. And they lowered me from the top of the wall down to the street below. And it started spinning. And boy, did I get dizzy. I don't do spinning <laughs> really good, you know. And um, no, when I hit the, when the basket finally came down, I looked at the camera and I said, you had to be a tough guy to be an apostle. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say anything about the spinning part, right? <laughs> no, that, that I did not like. Oh, man. Hey, when it came to St. Paul's death, it, was he beheaded? And if so, isn't there a story where it rolled down the street or something and a fountain was yep. created? Really? Why am I thinking no, that? I didn't hear that. Saint, like St. Paul <laughs> outside the, the wall or something. Huh. Yep. One of the things that's interesting about St. Paul is that he was a Roman citizen. He had a Roman passport. Peter did not, because Peter was just from the backwaters of Israel, whereas Paul, he was more cosmopolitan, came from the great big Greek city of Tarsus. And so, but he, somehow he had a, his family were Roman citizens. So when it came time to, to be killed, 
Peter, they could crucify him, but you could not crucify a Roman citizen. It had to be more of a merciful, quick death, which would be beheading. And because Paul, there was one point I remember where the soldier, he had thrown Paul down and had chained him and was going to whip him. And Paul said, is it legal for you to whip a Roman, to uh, whip a Roman citizen without a trial? And he said, the centurion turned white and said, are you a Roman citizen? Paul said, yes. He said, the Roman citizen guy says, I purchased my citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, I was born a Roman citizen. I love that. But when it came time to die, it was at Tre Fontane. It's outside the uh, wall south of Rome Mm -hmm. because you only kill and bury people outside the city walls. So they took him out via Appia, uh, passed out there uh, via Ostia, actually. And there's a church there today called Tre Fontane, which means three fountains. And you can still walk on the flagstone, the original road that they took Paul uh, from the first century. And they tied him to a pillar, which is still there, and they cut off his head. And his head bounced three times, Mm -hmm. kind of rolled down. And at each point where it fell, a fountain of water came up. When you go into that church today, there there are three altars. And under each one, you can still hear the water gushing. Yeah. Really? That's interesting. Paul outside the wall. If you ever go to Rome, it's amazing. Steve Ray, Catholic convert and pilgrimage leader, Steve. Steve, unfortunately, we are out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going there. So, in in Italy, we're going to Italy twice in 2025. And if you want to see these places, come with us. There you go. Yes. CatholicConvert.com is where you can find all of that information. Steve, thank you for being with us today. You're welcome. It's always fun. I enjoy you guys. Take care, buddy. All right. Yes. <laughs> Father Max Nikes joins us, Director of Vocations, the Diocese of Biloxi, when we return from the break. It is half past the hour on Wake Up. Five minutes before the top of the hour. Good morning again, everyone. Welcome back to Wake Up. Damian Collado, Gabby Smith, David Dawson. And with us now, Father Braxton Nikase. He is Vocations Director of the Diocese of Biloxi. He's also Parochial Vicar at St. Thomas Aquinas in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And we're getting an update on vocations in their great state. So good morning, Father, and welcome back to Wake Up. Good morning, Damian, David, and Gabby. It's great to be with you guys this morning here uh, from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So uh, vocations in the Diocese of Biloxi, we are really excited with the things that we have actually going on here in our diocese. Uh, at the end of the year in 2023, we had called by name in all of our parishes, and we received over 100 names, uh, submissions of names from people throughout the diocese who oh, saw good. characteristics of young people, right? I would have, I, when yeah. I saw the numbers, I was like, seriously, Lord, you are yeah. showing up and showing off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that so, gives you hope. Uh, yeah. It, it really is. It, it was a beautiful thing. Um, over 100 submissions. I literally uh, spent six hours. I hand wrote personal notes to everybody who was submitted saying, hey, we're going to have a discernment dinner with Bishop Kenneman. Uh, we had a beautiful discernment center at one of our uh, beachside parishes on the coast. Had 35 uh, people show up, did breakout sessions, had some religious sisters, some of our religious sisters come in, Sisters of Mercy, the sisters from, uh, some sisters from Mobile. It was a, it was a great, great evening. 
uh, kind of to begin that accompaniment piece for those individuals. Um, you know, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but Bishop Kinnaman, on January 1st, he promulgated a document on the formation of consecrated virgins, uh, really, uh, which is exciting. We have one young lady in the diocese who's uh, literally in the application process uh, to become a consecrated virgin. And so uh, it's a really exciting time here in our diocese. We have a number of young men who have um, who are in application. We recently, on January 5th, we literally had about 400 of our Catholic school educators, everyone from teachers and faculty principals to the support staff. Uh, we pulled them all together at St. Patrick High School. We had our good friend from Texas, Rhonda Gruenwald, with Vocation Ministry come. And kind of a third phase of where we're going with vocations here in the diocese, she uh, spoke to them about creating that culture of vocations within, you know, per, within our diocesan schools. So it was a beautiful day. It was really exciting. You know, it's always wonderful to see my friends from the Catholic schools. You know, I had wonderful memories of being in Bay St. Louis, you know, as a parochial vicar at Our Lady of the Gulf and spending a lot of time at the schools mm-hmm. down there. And so it's always a great time to see our, our, our friends in education. Well, is that something you, you said it's a, like a third phase? I'm glad to hear that you are getting into the schools now and talk. Are y'all talking about vocations, having uh, two or three, four hour breakout sessions? What are you doing to, to inform these young men and women about the, the beauty of vocations? So what we're doing right now, uh, Rhonda actually wrote a book. Uh, it was uh, she refers to it as her "quote unquote" COVID baby, and um, and and her book is really about how to promote that culture and shift that culture uh, of vocations within Catholic schools. Good. And one of the things that our Catholic schools started doing probably about two three years ago is they started actually adopting our seminarians, and so mm-hmm. each school has been assigned particular seminarians. If you could see how creative the schools have been with this, it's been remarkable. And the guys are just, like, really feeling the love and the affirmation. There is nothing like getting a card from, like, a second grader that says, Hey, I'm praying for you. I hope you become my priest one day. Yeah, You know, and so there's truly power in the prayer of a child. And so, um, you know, we're trying to shape that culture you know, of forming vocations. In fact, next year, one of the things that we're going to be rolling out in 2025, uh, the 2024-2025 school year, we're going to be doing a traveling vocation crucifix at each of our schools. And so it's going to travel from classroom to classroom, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to really pray for vocation, you know, in each each class. So it's going to be a really amazing thing. Uh, We're looking forward to that. And so, so literally... I know that there's going to be this fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in terms of vocations here yes. in the Diocese of Valencia. It yes, seems like indeed. it's been so quiet. It's, it's it's kind of been kept in a closet. It's like we need to be talking mm-hmm. about vocations to the priesthood, to religious life. I love the fact, too, that you are, are uh, getting ready to begin uh, Holy Hours for Vocations. Have one coming up yes. in April, I believe. We do. We do have one coming up in April at Nativity at our cathedral. Um, that was actually one of the things that we started doing. We we're doing deanery holy hours. So um, we do that once a quarter. And I just sat down yesterday and started working on our deanery holy hours for the next calendar year. Um, and I'm really trying to go to the places where we can bear fruit. You know mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because 
because the fruit is ripe, and, and, and we want to go there and allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does. And let me just share, I was recently in Ocean Springs uh, for a Holy Hour for Vocations. It was our third one that we had, and I had two of my seminarians' mothers there. Y'all, that was the most powerful moment for me. I literally asked both of the moms, I was like, can y'all come up and I want to just pray over you guys. I literally, as I prayed over them, it was such a moment. And as I was leaving there, uh, heading to where I was staying that night, I just was thinking to myself, how much of a moment would that have been for my own mother, you know, before Mm. her death, as I was in Mm. formation? if my vocation director would have prayed over her. And so really relying on the Holy Spirit. And I was truly grateful for the gift of, you know, the priesthood, for the gift of my role in vocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have six seminarians right now, I believe. Uh, and, and at the same time, how many of the young men, the 35, uh, any of them apply? You said there are some men in uh, in the application process. How many are, are there, and, and what do we have look, to look forward to in the Diocese of Biloxi? So we do have, uh, we actually have a number of young men who are in application. I believe there's three that are in application at the, pro- at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be more. You know, you never know. I don't try to limit God. Um, <laughs> and then, like I said, we've, we've actually uh, started receiving an application for a young lady who is um, literally in the process for applying for consecrated virginity, too. So things are really happening. And and that's exciting because Bishop Kinnaman had the the forefront, the foreknowledge to go ahead and promulgate a document Mm -hmm. um, before we even had anyone in formation for that. Great. And uh, what inspired you to become a priest, since we're on the topic of, of becoming a priest? So really, for me, I think I've shared this with you guys before. Um, you know, I was I was a parish youth minister. I remember I was literally a catechist teaching our confirmation students in my home parish of Sacred Heart and Dito. And um, I had cons- consistently, like, felt that call and that openness. And, you know, I had a wonderful, wonderful example of a pastor at the time, you know, Father Mike O'Connor, who you may be aware of. I know Gabby, mm-hmm. he's your pastor in Bay St. Louis. Um, and mm-hmm. so... He was my pastor then, and I remember, you know, just really feeling the Holy Spirit, like saying, Braxton, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. And I remember it was when I was teaching on the sacraments that literally I heard the Lord say, Braxton, instead of you teaching, I want you to be. And Hmm. it was such a profound moment for me. And so I think about that, and I reflect on that frequently, like, Braxton, you're called to be in the person of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to, to bring healing, to bring that forgiveness, to be that, the hands and feet of Jesus in a real way so that people can encounter Jesus and grow in relationship with Him. Wow. Why, and how long ago wow. was that, uh, Father Braxton? So that was probably in 2000 and, uh, 2012 um, when I graduated from college mm-hmm. um, and, you know, from Holy Cross, and I literally ended up um, going into the seminary in 2014. Wonderful. So. Mm. Well, we thank you mm. for all the work that you're doing. If there's a young man or woman interested in uh, the priesthood or religious life, where do they go? We would, I would encourage them to go to org slash vocation. 
uh, or give me a call. You know, shoot me an email, vocations at biloxidiocese.org. I would love to hear from them, love to give them the resources that they need and walk with them as the Lord is doing what he's doing in their life. Well, God bless you. Father Braxton Nikes, Vocations Director of the Diocese of Biloxi. It's 45 after the hour here on Wake Up. Forty-eight past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm David Dawson, along with Gabby Smith and Damian Collada. And right now we are rejoined. Joining us again, Chris O'Neill. He's the director of the Office of Marriage and Family Life in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Chris, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? It is good to have you back with us again. And we're going to talk about a big old conference you got coming up in February. Yeah, that's right. The men's conference is February 24th. It's about four weeks from now, so it's uh, we're, we're really in the heat of it, getting planning ready to go, shaping up to be a really fantastic conference. We expect to have about 800, maybe closer to 1,000 guys there. It's, uh, a lot of guys are coming out, yeah. um, and it's just going to be a great day, and I'm hoping to, to reach this. Many guys, as we can, again, would come out and be part of it. Okay, it's going to be, we'll, we'll get the, the details now first, and then we'll talk about them again yeah. later. It's going to be at St. Catherine of Siena, right? That's where it's going to be That's held? That's right, yeah. Okay. We're it's talking Saturday, 8? February 24th, at right. St. Catherine of Siena. It starts about uh, 7, and it'll, it'll be over by 3 o'clock in the okay. afternoon. Um, uh, Archbishop will be there for Mass on for Saturday afternoon for Mass. We have three really fantastic speakers lined up. We've got... Uh, a crew of people who are going to help us with music and prayer and adoration. bunch of priests are going to be there to hear confessions. Great. Um, you know, um, so confessions will be available all day. Coffee, lunch, we'll have some really fantastic vendor tables out there, too. People that, you know, pe- things that you can meet and ways to get involved uh, in the life of the church. It's just, it's just going to be a really great day. That is really, really good. And I would imagine somebody who has attended these before, you're probably getting a lot of return guys coming back, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we, we always get a lot of return guys, you know, and mm-hmm. then there's a healthy group of guys that uh, who, who haven't heard about it. It's, right. You know, the diocese is really big. Yes. And it's very <laughs> difficult to reach everybody. So some people are like, I didn't even know that was happening like, every year. You know, we work really hard to get the word out, but we still find, you know, people haven't even heard about it. So, you know, there's always a healthy group of guys who's like, I didn't even know this was happening and showing up and then realizing, why why haven't I heard about this? This is fantastic. I'm going to bring it great. Right next so, Isn't that great? So, yeah. so somebody, somebody from, uh, uh, you know, the Mississippi Gulf Coast or somebody from the Baton Rouge area, something like that, maybe hearing yep. this for the first time. So it, 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 you, you just uh, you just travel to Metairie and uh, we'll, we'll have, they'll have directions for you and such. But... Uh, what can what's the day going to look like for them who's never been there before? Yeah, so, you know, we start off, people start gathering together. We have coffee, we have a little breakfast, mm-hmm. we're hanging around, big people, you know, as we're registering and people are signing in uh, to get there. And then um, we'll have in the church itself, so outside the church in the parking lot there, we'll have tables and tents and chairs and vendors and people just kind of a really nice place to hang out yeah um and meet other people and then in the church we'll have um different speakers in the middle of the day there'll be a time for uh, adoration and prayer together uh as a group one of the most amazing things about this event 
is being in the room with 800 other guys, yeah. and we're praying together with the same voice. And you have like 800 voices saying our Father together. Isn't or that singing amazing? Together. Yes. And it's just it's like an experience that you can't get any other way. You have to be in the room to see that. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing thing because you're adding your voice to something that's bigger than you, and yeah. then you're also being encouraged by the presence of all of these other guys who are just regular guys who are trying to do their best. You know, none of us are you know, saints yet, you know, we're all, you know, <laughs> far we're, from it. We're That's all, right. <laughs> yeah. So we're all in, you know, we're all struggling. We're all trying to, you know, do the best we can in this world and, yeah. uh, and to be encouraged by the presence of so many other brothers who are just trying to do the best they can mm-hmm. and to be an encouragement to them. It's just, point. it's just an amazing thing to be, to be a part of that. Yeah, and, uh, and the yeah. conference theme this year is friendship. Uh, it's called, I have called you friends. And um, it's the importance of, building and fostering genuine friendships with each other. And, yeah. and, you know, it's just a really great way to connect with other guys who, who care about the Lord, care about the life of the Church, and are trying to be better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, to make new friendships definitely. in faith, some sort of fellowship that yeah. you can have there well, that Dave, you can take from there. Yeah, go ahead, Gabby. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first Archdiocese Men's Conference was, what, seven days before the COVID lockdowns, and it was so yep. huge. And it's amazing to see it grow as the years have gone on. But what's unique is that this is smack dab in the middle of Lent. Yeah. Uh, and it's a perfect good. opportunity for men to really dive deeper into their relationship with God, maybe try something new this Lent, say, I'm going to go on this retreat. But what's unique about February is that there's a men's conference in New Orleans, there's one in Baton Rouge, and there's one in North Louisiana, too. Wow. Chris, why should men take the opportunity? to attend the Archdiocese Men's Conference and form that deeper relationship with God. What have you found as you have been a part of this for many years? Yeah, you know, it, it means something that all of these, you know, these different men's conferences are all meet at the same time, and it's because it's right at the beginning of Lent. It's the first Saturday mm-hmm. of Lent. Ours is the first Saturday. The one in Baton Rouge is the Saturday before. The Saturday before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's that time of year where we all need to mm-hmm. sit down Take an assessment. Where am I at? What's going on in my life? What What is the call? What is the Lord calling me to now? Like, what's mm-hmm. my next step? What's my next, very next step? Not necessarily grand, huge plans for you know what kind of a person do I want to be when I grow up, right. but just right now, you know, in the situation that I'm in, what do I need to hear? Where do I need to go? And to be able to stop and take an assessment of that, and and to do that, um, and not just be about uh, how bad a person am I. Yeah. And, you know, all of the things that I've done, but you know, how do I be better? How yes, do I, how am I yes. a better husband? How am I better? How can I make my life better? How can I make my relationship with the Lord better? How can my relationship mm-hmm. with other people better? And to think about that uh, with some other people, it's, it's just really good to kind of reset, reassess, and figure out what we need to do. Um, and then okay. our conference in particular is always focused on encouraging guys to go back to their parishes and for encouraging parishes to start small men's groups yes, or men's yes. ministries in their parish. Grow from there. Um, and for guys to go home and get involved in them. Because we want lots of, you know, because men's growth, growth in the spiritual life doesn't happen just on one Saturday. Yeah. It happens day in and day out all year That's long. That's right. You're just, you're just so, like planting the seeds there. You know what, uh, as far as admission goes, what, what does it cost? So, uh, so we have so the registrations on nolacatholicmen.com. Okay. Uh, the regular registration is forty five dollars, but we have an option on there that says pay what you want because we Great. don't want. We would rather have mm. guys there than don't have turn their anybody money. down. I mean, we need to have the money. We need to have the money, but 
we would rather have the friendship of the guys there than have their money. So if you're struggling or whatever, you can click that button and you just pay whatever you want to pay. Very you good. also have an option to pay more if you want. Yep. And what's happening is guys that can are paying more and covering the guys that are struggling. And it's no questions asked. No one will ever know what you, know, what you pick. Um, so so it's $45 is the main pay. Really uh, good. That kind of pays all the bills. Well, Chris, um, but, Chris, yeah, we're going we'll we're gonna to fill that place up. That's going to be it's the 2024 Men's Conference. I've called you friends. It's at St. Catherine in Siena, February 21st, 8.30 to 3 p.m. Go to ccmedia.live. We'll have some help there linking you, heading you in the right direction. Chris, thank you, man. Appreciate you joining us again. Thank you. All right. God thank bless. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Take care. I love that feature. Lots That's of, so lots of great. good men's things are going yeah. on right now. That's very yes. important. Great movement. The yes, Holy is. Spirit is moving us, guys. Mm-hmm. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, hopefully uh, St. Marianne Cope will do the same for you today. We'll wrap up with a prayer and ask for her intercession in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Through St. Marianne Cope's merits and intercession, grant us the favor which we confidently ask of you so that the people of God, following the inspiration of her life and apostolate, may practice charity towards all according to your word and example. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jeff Blackwell, our amazing audio director, and Karen Cotton, our super spunky and uh, also (laughs) incredibly amazing video technical director who makes us laugh every morning and help us to look and sound absolutely incredible. We're so grateful for our viewers and listeners today. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Dina Dow with the Diocese of Baton Rouge will join us. Lonnie Thibodeau with the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau will update us on the diocese. And Dr. Jordan Haddad from Notre Dame Seminary will continue our segment of Catholic 101. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.